What's up, guys? It's Heather, your rom-com queen. Hey, it's Lucretia, your thrill seeker. And this is Stephanie, your wild card. And we are The The Reading Reading Sirens. How is everybody doing this weekend slash week? Uh, Today we will be recording and talking about Possession, which is a novel by Katie Lowe. This novel is about Hannah, whose husband was killed about 10 years prior to the current happenings. The description of that? hooked me from the start i was like jesus yeah (laughs) i know i was like it has to have been a crime of passion so i was i kept on wondering who it was that hated him so much to do that um and so so her her husband is killed so hannah's this widow and the only witnesses to what happened are hannah and her at the time her daughter was five um so her daughter, you know, she w- she was in her room, um, and then Hannah supposedly can't remember anything, mm-hmm. right? So everybody kind of lets it go because they catch the supposed killer mm-hmm. until years later when a podcast called Conviction... <laughs> I love that part. Shout out to <laughs> Podcast of the World. We love you. To, um, so this podcast is dedicated to uncovering like wrongfully accused victims that mm-hmm. are in the system and they take an interest in this case and it's pretty obvious from the start that they think Hannah has a lot more to do with yeah. the killing than, than what's said. Well, it turns out they're able to find some evidence to make to, to make sure that he is set free. Mm-hmm. And at that point, all eyes are on Hannah, including her daughter's eyes. That part and, that. Yeah, and her fiance's eyes. Yeah. And it doesn't really help that the mom-in-law, we'll call her monster-in-law, <laughs> Marianne, is uh, trying to push the issue as well. As far as... As well as Darren, the ex or the best friend of her ex husband, mm-hmm. her dead husband. Um, so it, it's truly interesting, and and we start to see how it unfolds, and just the evidence that comes up, and there's a. It makes me question Hannah's sanity at yeah. various points. I would have questioned my own at that point too. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, she was a psychiatrist, so mm-hmm. I mean, her having to question herself, like throughout the whole trials and error through this you know, mm-hmm. her uncovering what's going on. It was right. kind of one of those things like, well, am I crazy? Did I really? Dude, mm-hmm. and the other thing too is she's keeping a secret and we know that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So right. you want to figure out what is the secret that she's keeping. And yeah. she's got, I feel like just looking at everything. So I know they talk about the Swiss cheese, cheese theory. Swiss mm-hmm. cheese. If you can tell I'm Hispanic, <laughs> it's the Swiss cheese theory. The Swiss cheese theory yeah. where, you know, one piece of Swiss cheese by itself with one hole, is it's nothing. But if you start stacking the holes of evidence, you figure out, well, something's wrong. Yeah. And she has so many dang pieces of Swiss cheese where it's like, well, if you, if you were a part of this that you pretty much covered up and then you were a part of mm-hmm. that that you covered up then she does start to look pretty guilty. And then convictions is really there to uncover, you know, these hidden crimes. Like, Mm -hmm. 
they're a true crime podcast to overturn these convictions that they know are And they've are already wrong. been mm-hmm. successful with the first. Yes. Yeah. And then they're successful with this one, which... So their podcast is out to, like, pr- prosecutor. She's, mm-hmm. like, in the limelight throughout this whole series. Right. And unfortunately, she's kind of, like withering mm-hmm. kind of behind mm-hmm. the scenes as these podcasts are being released and right and then um the interview with mike yeah so when they interview mike and he just seems like this poor kid who was you know in the wrong place at the wrong time messed with the wrong officer or got I caught felt by really the wrong bad officer yeah and he, they interview him and he's just like well you know there's no point of me being mad at at what happened it's not anybody's like actual fault, right. but you know that they're just trying to set up Hannah still by having by having it be like, oh well, poor guy, and he doesn't <laughs> even the daughter's yeah. sympathetic to him, you know. So, right. Well, I mean, I can see their point. You know, it's their mm-hmm. job to uncover these wrongfully convictions that are being set in place in front of them, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. it kind of like allows her to crumble throughout Mm -hmm. the whole book definitely and i think when we start seeing her crumble that's when you start thinking well maybe well for me uh for a big part of the book i thought she had something to do with it which she did Mm -hmm. i mean she she did (laughs) but um it wasn't her who and like actually ended it Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's pretty interesting that just the twists and turns that that it, we go through and it's actually not as fast paced as other thrillers yeah, but it no. still really kept me drawn to what's going to happen next and who It took its time on throughout the whole pl- unfolding the unfolding mm-hmm. of the onion so mm-hmm. the peeling of the onion was very slow mm-hmm. very non-progressive like I felt like I was pulling teeth at some point Mm -hmm. but I mean it really went into detail in some of these scenes where she really was more of the victim versus the predator Mm -hmm. in this book and unfortunately you know Mm -hmm. she she was shunned very badly throughout this book and she's like shame she had to take her daughter away yes okay and what in the hell happened with her and her ex-father-in-law because that situation and her husband knew about it, her dead husband. So I'm just thinking this whole family is used to being abusers and yeah. just, mm-hmm. you know, sweeping it under the rug. And they have all these victims in their path. And Hannah just happened to be one of those victims. And yeah. luckily she got out of it alive because what we start, the little snippets that we start to see into her seemingly perfect life is that it wasn't perfect at all. So, if you guys were Hannah, would you have second-guessed yourself? I think I would have. Like, now looking back to what was actually happening, I questioned her throughout the whole book. And Mm -hmm. I think at one point, I had talked to you about it, where I was like, hmm, there's somebody there who I think is just, she made that person up in her head. And um, and so, if I was her, I think I would be questioning, like, am I actually remembering things accurately or am I because even your own brain forgets things to protect you sometimes Mm -hmm. so I'm like what parts are real and what parts are a dream or what parts are a memory because I was wondering and it's been such a long time right I was wondering like if her body was like 
purposely blocking it out. Yeah, that's what Or if she was covering for somebody else Mm -hmm. and didn't want to spill it. Yeah, and that's that was part of what I thought at one point too. Yeah. Like uh Well her her the whole bathroom scene for me when she was in the bathroom with you know, Graham and they were kind of replaying that and she's getting into the bathtub and she's kind of having this like like questioning herself, like, mm-hmm. am I really doing this? But I I feel like it was kind of like a a way for her to plead this into she worked in psychiatry yeah. she knew how to play the insanity yeah and what yeah, to say was going yeah on. i mean for me i i mean granted the situation wasn't the best um where she was coming from but i also felt like she knew what she was doing mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. something triggered in her to say this is not right yeah mm-hmm. right i that's what i think too i think she she was she was protecting herself from something. She just didn't know herself what. know mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, so one of my questions has to do with Mike because Mike is essentially the biggest victim in mm-hmm. this whole book into where he, you know, was this young kid, he gets accused of this crime by this detective and he goes to jail for a really long time for it. So had you been wrongfully accused the way Mike was? And then incarcerated for that long of a time, do you think you would blame Hannah or someone else, or how do you think you guys would have handled being finally freed? I mean, for me, throughout the whole book, I felt like Hannah was up to something. She knew something. Mm-hmm. She knew, obviously, and in her mind, it wasn't him. Like she mm-hmm. knew at some point mm-hmm. that it wasn't him, but she still allowed him to rot away in that prison for ten years, right? Yeah. Without and because, saying anything, because she just wanted to keep a secret. Yeah, I'm like, like that. She because you know how she had so much hatred for her mother in law too, because her mother in law was that person that covers up things and just lets them go. She essentially was doing the same thing that mm-hmm. her her mother-in-law did to this poor guy who had the rest of his life and he was just going to live it out in prison. Yeah. I mean, even when Evie got older, at what point do you say, man, this could have been my kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I could have put my own kid away. Like, yeah. Stevie was into a position where he was super young. He had his whole life mm-hmm. ahead of him. And she just kind of ripped the rug right mm-hmm. underneath yeah. him. Like, it was awful. And she just had no remorse for no, it. She, she just yeah. I don't know if that was just kind of her game or or like just her because I know throughout the book she kept saying like oh now it's too late oh no now it's too late and it's mm. like well if you would have just said something from the beginning <laughs> they would have continued with the investigation obviously yeah. you weren't guilty so but even if she didn't remember everything she could have released what she knew mm-hmm. at, until that point like mm-hmm. this is what happened and then, Even her sentencing and, would have been lighter yeah. had she like talked about what actually happened, you know? Yeah. I just, I don't know. She was a hard pill to swallow for me. Mm-hmm. Did you guys figure out who it was or were you guys surprised? I was surprised at the end because I thought the blame was more so on, I honestly thought it was going to be Hannah and her best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was before I found out that the best friend did what she did. Um, I thought the best friend was such good friends with her that maybe she trusted her and told her how things were really like with Graham and that Mm -hmm. they had, you know, made this whole ploy together. 
Um, so I was surprised at the end to find out who it was that truly was guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, throughout the whole book, I really felt like there was something wrong or off with mm-hmm. Hannah. Mm-hmm. Something was not clicking. The actual, what she did remember didn't mesh with what was going on throughout the book. Yeah. And even as they're uncovering like snippets of the, mm-hmm. what actually happened to Graham, because in the beginning, it doesn't really say what happened to Graham. Mm-hmm. He died brutally and that's essentially what they said so as Mm -hmm. she like progresses throughout her memory like just something just didn't work for me i didn't like Mm -hmm. how she treated like dan me neither and that i can because uh she she did realize so this whole podcast conviction i think it really did bring back a lot of emotions and memories that she was trying to suppress in Mm -hmm. order to live Mm -hmm. life as you would if you were guilty of some sort of injustice and so I think it brought it all back. And I mean, who's she going to take it out on? Her daughter, who she already has a horrible relationship mm-hmm. with? Or, you know, this guy who's actually trying to be there for odd. Their relationship? Yeah. With, uh, Evie and... And Hannah. I didn't find it odd because that's teenagers. Mm-hmm. So to me... Especially when she's coming into her teenage years. And, yeah. you know, every little, like, you came into my room or you looked at my stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, like anything can set off a teenager. But, I mean, I can see a little bit of, you know, Evie's personalities on her dad's side and mm-hmm. a little bit of her mom's side. And, you know, Evie had her own personal struggles. Like, she mm-hmm. really just, like, gosh, like, you know, like... I lost my dad at a young age. I really don't know who to go to because if I go to my mom, she's going to psychiatrist my ass, right? Yeah. Like, she's going to, mm-hmm. like, yeah. well, did you do this? Or, you mm-hmm. know, like, she really doesn't or, have that connection. Yeah. So she really turned to the only person in her life that really was the was father her? figure. Mm-hmm. And that was Dan. And Dan mm-hmm. didn't judge her. She didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't say, well, maybe you're, like, thinking remembering wrong and he didn't kind of doubt her in any way Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it the other part that made me think it's normal for her to have this distrust is because she was young she was i thought five but she's six uh when her dad was killed and then um she with this whole conviction podcast coming up doesn't know who to trust because her mom could potentially be the person who killed her dad. And if her mom killed her dad, what is it going to take for her mom to kill her? You know, it kind of goes into the doubting of these people, even though they're figures for you and you think they're going to keep you safe. And I think deep down, Evie knows her mom loves her. And you see that when she does have some instances that she's like, okay, mom, I'm here for you. Let's Mm -hmm. listen to this together. Um, But I do think, Aside from just the whole teenage angst, she really is confused and she really doesn't know if she could trust her mom. Well, her mom put a lot of like pressure on her to, you know, kind of like suppress your feelings around your dad because mm-hmm. she really don't want like, I mean, as a mother, I would be like, let's listen to this together. I know it's mm-hmm. tough, but let's listen to it together and, and let's figure this yeah. out yeah. together. What questions do you have for me? Yeah. What can make you feel more comfortable? Like, I know they're going to put me in this light. What yes. can I do? Yeah. But she really closed herself off to that communication with her daughter and her daughter. I felt like she was really confused and she really didn't have, like Dan was there, but he also didn't live that situation. Mm-hmm. Like he, she didn't, she really had to close herself off. So she, 
really turned to the only person in her life, which turns out to be a catfish. But yeah. she turned to this Dude, boy in her so life. Like, she's like, well, he could be a catfish, but I did all the things that they do in the catfish show. And so he's not a catfish. Yeah, but. so she turns to him and, you know, that she tries to have this open communication with a person that she really hasn't met at this point. It's just kind of yeah. like that an That um, sad. Yeah. Okay, so on the catfish topic, do you guys think... Okay, so mm-hmm. little backstory, Lucy, right? So mm-hmm. Lucy, you guys, is um, Hannah's old patient from before her husband was killed. So uh, Lucy was this patient that really had no one. Um, she trusted Hannah, which was her psychiatrist at the time, and Hannah trusted her, but she was slighted by Darren, who was the head of psychiatry at the time. Mm-hmm. And really, the uh, so Lucy ends up, completing suicide um and hannah is accused of being the person who's responsible for it which i think it was darren i think because Mm -hmm. remember that scene where um she has the clipboard and then he takes the clipboard and she hadn't checked supervised or unsupervised yet so i think he probably did did that on purpose like he did probably didn't know she was gonna die but do you guys think it was lucy actually had a boyfriend or do you guys think it was actually like Sophie trying to manipulate her and catfishing her as well I kind of felt like she didn't have maybe this relationship with somebody but her sister took it to the extreme where she wrote her a letter and saying that he will not like you he doesn't want you like Mm -hmm. she really kind of put her into this situation where you're vulnerable already because you're mentally not there Mm -hmm. and your sister that is your only family telling you that this person's not going to ever want you. Like, yeah. you're already, like, susceptible to, yeah. you know, these verbal attacks from Which somebody. Sophie is probably the one who had the most messed up mind. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm like, She was how more of a psychopath. Like, she yeah. was, she knew how to play the game. And she had a grudge, too. She had a <laughs> grudge, and she would not let it go. No. And I, she was really setting up to kill Evie and the way her sister died, mm-hmm. which even with that, it's like still not the same because no. you're murdering her versus yeah. her taking her own life. But yeah. her mind was just twisted and all kinds of messed up. Yeah. So I, I, that was my question: was her Sophie really? What was she doing to control her sister Lucy? Mm-hmm. What because her sister was so scared of her sister, like. She mm-hmm. even at a point where she was like, Well, I can't because my sister, you know, mm-hmm. like what was she doing to control her and make yeah. her, what was she like? Making was it her just do? verbal? Obviously, yeah. there was some emotional like trauma in there where she's like manipulating her into thinking she's not worthy of this love. And I think Sophie was also scared to be on her own, like she yeah. had to have this sister that you're taking care of, which is crazy, but. Um, but I feel like there must have been more. Like, I almost feel like maybe Lucy's mental health problems started because of Lucy's control. Mm -hmm. And I think Lucy was doing a lot more than just the verbal and emotional abuse. I would Mm -hmm. have really liked to see a lot of that uncovering. Like, Mm -hmm. where did it stem from? Where Mm -hmm. was Sophia? Like, uh, Sophie obviously had some type of mental breakdown at some point. But w- at what point did she say, like, I need to control my sister or I need to control the yeah, situation? Yeah, like, where did that come from? Where did it come mm-hmm. from? And what made, you know, Lucy so s- 
submissive to it. Mm -hmm. Like, well, she probably (laughs) broke her down because I'm thinking Sophie's the older sister, and this is just my brain Mm -hmm. going crazy, but like. If you've been hearing that your whole life, like you're not worth it, nobody's ever gonna love you, mm-hmm. I'm the only person you have. If that's all you've heard, yeah, it's hard to believe anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why that's why she was it's not really that she was submissive, it was just like she knows nothing, nothing different. Else. So to her that's just life. That's just how things are. And then she meets this guy who's telling her different and Sophie you know, takes rid of that. Yeah, so. <laughs> she nips it in the butt real quick. Right? <laughs> so guys, uh, were you guys able to relate to any of the characters? I think that most of the characters were relatable in different ways. Um, I hated, like I hated Graham. I hated Darren, mm-hmm. but I think they were pretty realistic characters. And so to me that made them relatable. And we did get a lot of the backstory yeah. to a lot of them and how their personalities kind of came to be. So yeah. I, I did like that. But again, I did hate a, a few of them. But yeah. I mean, that's reality for you, though. Yeah, like, exactly. you can't just walk in a room and, like, like it's everybody instantly. Mm-hmm. You have that mm-hmm. expectation, like... Out of this group of 10 people, you're most likely going to hate, like, three or at four At least, of them. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, I was going to say at least five. <laughs> the, one I, the one I probably felt more for was for Evie. Yeah, I mean, she was I susceptible in her years. I though. Yeah, I, I did feel for Evie because mm-hmm. she's gone through so much tra- tragedy, but I felt for Hannah, too, because... A lot of what she did, I feel like she was trying to shield Evie from mm-hmm. suffering. Yeah. yeah. Um, whether it was, you know, the murder or just even her family <laughs> itself. I so. kind of related a lot to Dan. Um, Dan was one of those characters was just like very... So him. He wanted that instant family and unfortunately he found an instant broken family. He was just but trying he stuck to it out. mending yeah. it mm-hmm. through the whole relationship and... He was kind of the fixer, like, mm-hmm. throughout the whole... Mm-hmm. And I felt so bad for him, more so because Hannah wasn't even sure how she felt about it. Yeah. And I felt, so I felt so bad for him. him. This whole time. Well, which I know she was, and it was probably, like, part of her, like, being numb to that kind of emotion at the time. I feel like he was but... just holding a place for her. Yeah, yeah. I mean... But I think it was because she wasn't fully allowing herself to process her trauma mm-hmm. so she any emotion was kind of numbed you well know i think I mean? she was so. just more like she came from a bad situation and she doesn't want to put herself in that position again but mm-hmm. when she does realize dan's a good guy she still allowed like the voices of her inner turmoil to kind of like set herself yeah. like her set her mind mm-hmm. in regards to i don't want this i don't exactly. yeah. the ring is like mm-hmm. traumatic for me like i've seen the mm-hmm. ring and he's possibly going to do this but unfortunately i don't want this mm-hmm. but she's already in a position where she's allowed her daughter to fall in love with her and so mm-hmm. that whole like i can feel her like tug of war yeah with it. like yeah mm-hmm. like i mm-hmm. do want to be with it or him but i also don't want to break up and mm-hmm. you know my daughter go be through all this through trauma yes. yeah so i feel like it's always about evie with her but mm-hmm. she never allows herself to like uncover and i feel like she, yeah and she was almost like 
not punishing herself, but limiting herself. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, she really wanted Evie to be happy, and Evie was the happiest with Dan. Because yeah. Dan yeah. is her, you know, her father figure, like you said. And and then even in her professional journey, she doesn't want to go anywhere else because she doesn't think anywhere else will take her after all these things that have happened. And yeah. her best friend knew about, you know, some of the things and still kept her. Um until the end. (laughs) Were you guys swept in from the start? I wasn't. I I was. um, Because to me, it was very true crimey. And so to me, it was very much like, okay, this is just one piece of the evidence, one piece of the puzzle, what's coming next? So I know it, like it wasn't the, the, that pull that other thrillers have, but it was a very yeah. like a slow burn, which to me is very true crimey, and I I like that. Mm-hmm. I think I figured out I don't do good with slow burns. No, <laughs> it fizzles out for me. Like yeah. if it's not keep, if it's not keeping me like where I'm trying to figure something out, I'm just okay. Move on. I'm really good about you know the slow burns, but it was a hard for me. Like it was, it reminded me of other books where they kind of like that slow progression and that slow progression is really hard for anybody, but I'm more of an instant gratification person. I want mm-hmm. the information guys, immediately and then I want to recover. We have turned into thriller snobs. Do you guys realize this? We have read so many thrillers that we no longer can tolerate slow burns. No. I mean, I, it was a great, I mean, when I got to the end, I was like, oh, okay, like I get the progression, I get mm-hmm. why they had to go that slow, but it was, it was really more of hard. a psychological kind yeah. of thriller. Yeah, and a, definitely a slow burn. So for me, I was like, but I, I did get pulled in. <laughs> but I think that's my again, like my true crime self. Yeah. Even when I'm listening to podcasts, that's how slow they go. So you know, like I'm just, I liked it. Did you guys like the overall plot? <sighs> of course I did because. <laughs> Uh, I like the mystery behind it, and it did surprise me at the end. So I I will give it that. I think I'm a sucker for anything where there's a psychological aspect to Mm -hmm. it, which in her case, in this case, it was the trauma. The trauma by by Hannah. Like, does she really remember? Or is is this a case of PTSD? You know, um, is she hallucinating and she's truly not in (laughs) trouble? Girl. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even know what that is anymore. reality yeah I'm like what was that noise oh wait I'm not Hannah (laughs) um so I I truly I'm always pulled into to that psychological aspect to it plus with the it being true crimey and having a podcast in it like highlighted in it I liked it the whole plot to me it felt like a typical thriller you know She's lost at some point her memory. Let that be true or not true. But she's lost her memory. There's an actual crime that took effect. And now Mm -hmm. she's trying to uncover the crime. And then at the end, bam, it's not what you thought. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, mean, the thriller itself was kind of a predictable thriller. But I was... surprised by the end (laughs) which was nice I didn't I didn't think it was that predictable to me because especially with the way the progression went and how it was a slow burn you don't really find pieces of evidence until the end Mm -hmm. um and I think because I knew there was something that Hannah was holding back yeah that's what kept me Mm -hmm. like I just felt like there was some like clues throughout the book where they were like the grandma stayed in the house that mm-hmm. was once in the asylum, but they mm-hmm. didn't really uncover like 
to go when into at, depth. At the end, she didn't really have yeah. anything to do with it because Hannah I just, was a okay. So yeah. there was no point. Like that was just what made her doubt herself. I think. I I know. I just really but wish they went the paper, into those you kind know of. You know how the how Bill finds the paper in the drain, and I'm like, okay, did Hannah write that herself? And then it was like, no, she didn't. So I'm like, didn't the point? Remember like, me? What was the point of even putting? When yeah. it, was, it said remember me. <laughs> remember me. Yes, bitch. That's what it said. And she kept on like going uh, R E M, and I'm like, yeah, really? really? I it know. Says, remember that me. That part did annoy me because I was like, okay, Hannah, you're not stupid. <laughs> She's obviously a psychiatrist. Right. Like, there's intelligence in there, girl. <laughs> Would you guys consider reading more from the author? I, I would. would. I would. Yeah. yeah. I. I you I love those psychiatry. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Psycholo- what are they called? I think, yeah, the psychological thrillers. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the ones where the psych- psychiatric person, like the professional, has something to do with it. Gotcha. I felt like the so, last couple six thrillers or so have been that Psychological type. thrillers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but that I did like true. this one better than The Silent Patient. Oh, like, yeah. Way better. Yeah. So that's why I think I was like, even though it was a slow burn and even though it was a psychological thriller... And it was I did enjoy this one I much liked better. this one a lot more. Well, this yeah. one had a lot more details yeah. to the plot. Yeah. Like, I felt mm-hmm. like Silent Patient was, like, slow burn was, like, slowly burning, and then it fizzled. Yeah, yeah. And this one was, like, slowly burning, and then the boiling pot boiled over, and you're like, holy shit. Do you guys think it was true to the genre? It was, a, I mean, a slow burn. To tell you the truth, like... Okay, so I knew it was a thriller, but you know, with me not reading the the oh, synopsis, yeah. I'm looking oh. at it and I'm like, it's totally horror, right? It's a horror Especially book with the tagline, "The past haunter, the present hunter." Yeah, yeah, so I was super excited to read like a horror movie or like book. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like reading, and I'm like, this is not a freaking horror. <laughs> <laughs> you what is going her, on? You were Stretch back. Me and my sister would stretch back, and we would race backwards like that. <laughs> my sister could do that. I don't know if I could still do it, but I used to do it before. Uh, what do you guys think of the cover? I thought it was kind of bland. Mm-hmm. I mean, me too. It does have some mystery to it. Yeah, I I figure like it could have been something else, and the whole possession thing, like the name of the t- like title, it made of the me book. think something else completely. Completely. And she- I I did like though how she put possession in there in a couple of yeah. different you know yeah scenarios, but you didn't see that still, towards yeah. the end like yeah. and you still didn't see because okay I could get like the possession of the trauma took over her life but even then you didn't really get that yeah. in the book so I feel like the title could have been different like I feel like if they would have titled it conviction mm-hmm. oh, I would have liked tried, that better yeah they would have yeah. tied in the podcast aspect of the true mm-hmm. crime the true crime part of it. And then the wrongful conviction. So to me, that would have been like the perfect title. But well, if you're judging a book by its cover, like myself, (laughs) this is (laughs) not not the book. (laughs) Guess what time it is? (laughs) Fuck, Mary, kill. Heather. But we totally did the camel head. Like, have you guys ever watched that commercial? What day is it? Funny <laughs> <Mary> <laughs> 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 Oh, 
I'll go first since I was slacking. <laughs> I chose to fuck and marry Mike. I felt bad for him being wrongly convicted. Mm-hmm. And he spent like 10 years in jail. So. I feel like you're... He needs like, a I'll take him. Like, yeah. there should be a place for you. Like, you're like Saint Heather. Because you're always trying to save all these people. She's like, like doing a petty it's always, it's only the wrongly convicted. And then I would kill Graham. He's douche. Okay, I'm with yeah, a total douche. Total yeah. douche. <laughs> you have to read the book to know why. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. He was the biggest douche. Well, except for his friend, Darren, which is who I would fucking kill. Darren was such a pig. So Darren was Graham's best friend. Surprise, surprise, two douches, right? Um, and he framed pretty much Hannah for mm-hmm. Lucy's death. And he would straight up, like, look at people's boobs and be like, oh, hey, I like that shirt you're wearing. It really <laughs> makes your boobs look good at work. Who does that? And he's a, like, head psychiatrist. And, and, okay, so it really irked me when he, Hannah was like, do you really think Graham would like to hear you saying that stuff about me. And he was like, oh, well, he's too busy fucking somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. So I would kill him. If you guys can't tell, I'm always really, really passionate about killing people. (laughs) So go figure. (laughs) But I would fuck Bill because he was... So Bill is Dan's best friend, cop. Oops. Drop something. It's okay. I'm clumsy. (laughs) And, uh... So, Bill is this cop, mm-hmm. and so I just picture this guy, obviously cops can't have beards, so I guess he's clean-shaven, whatever, but I feel like he's the type of cop who just keeps a man bun hidden from everybody Ew. else, and so... You do have a thing for man bun. I do, yeah. Does he has scruff. the scruff. I'm, I'm picturing him on his, like, weekend off, or, like, his week off, and he's just like, I don't have to shave this week, so he has, like, the five o'clock shadow at least. And then, you know, his hair is kind of growing out, and it's just kind of, like, messy, like, messy to the side. A little oily. Right, and he's like, how can I help you? <laughs> and, yeah. And so I would fuck him. I would marry... Dan, because I mean, first of all, marriage is not something I look forward to, except for now that I'm married. Um, <laughs> but if I had to marry someone, it would be Dan. He's just really nice and he was a sweetheart and, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my fuck would be Lucy, which was the patient that essentially. Oh my god, Lucy fucking Lucy. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Lucy's Lucy the guy with diamonds. <laughs> she kind of offs herself throughout the book, but she does it for a good reason. But anyways, that's besides the point. You know, I love the crazy, and she's my crazy, so I totally fuck her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would definitely marry Dan, too. Mm-hmm. Dan was the secret agent of the book. Like, he mm-hmm. was just one of those guys that... He was the hero throughout the book. How and would <laughs> Hannah and Evie have survived without him? I, know. I have no idea. Yeah, And I'm not really good with good guys but he was the good guy throughout this book Mm -hmm. and he just he stuck it out for the long call and unfortunately he paid the ultimate price and Mm -hmm. um yeah so i would totally marry him maybe not with the white dress but i would totally well by this point i mean maybe if it was a white dress and we were running around in mud yes (laughs) or blood even better (gasps) Dun, 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 dun. Dun. 
writing idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a couple kills, but I kind of ultimately chose the best friend of Hannah because the bitch got to die. You Sarah, and her name was Sarah with an H. <laughs> <laughs> she fucks Graham through this book, and I know that's a spoiler, sorry. But no, that is, I mean, dude, talk about, <laughs> she accidentally, uh, it was an accident one time, he was just, it doesn't actually just so fall sad. inside. <laughs> he was just so sad. It has to open at some point, your legs will open. Right, she was just like, here, I'll caress you, it's okay, I know my best friend's a bitch sometimes. And then move your head down. Oh. She's got to die. Like, and then she fucking, I don't know. The way she talks about her best friend, like, oh, she's my best friend. And she pretends to be best friends with her for a year, like a decade. Yeah. Granted, Hannah doesn't make it very easy throughout this book, but she's, she has a choice and the bitch But Hannah doesn't make it easy I don't know if it's just that because I think it's people pushed her to a certain limit. Like yeah. she was mm-hmm. a bitch to Graham because Graham was a fucking douche. Douche. And then on his yeah, canoe. at the I do I do feel bad for Dan because he didn't really didn't deserve it, but she would apologize to him. Like yeah. I know I'm not being myself. I know this is out of the normal. Like and Dan kind of understood too. Like he, she gave. Dan kind of the background like I came from a poor situation like this was my kind of my situation and granted maybe Dan didn't know the whole full extent of what was going on he kind of knew something was broken at some Mm -hmm. point yeah and he was like the fixer like I told you guys he was like like what Heather is to all those (laughs) wrongfully convicted murderers that was Dan they need love too Ten years from a long time. There you guys go. If you're listening out there, just write her a good letter. Oh God, she'll be your desperately seeking pen pal. Yeah. Oh God, no. Sweet Heather, here to the rescue with my circle. I'm so sorry that you've been in prison forever, but I'll love you forever. shout out this week and in case you guys haven't caught a trend we all really love to drink uh, beer at our local breweries (laughs) so our next one out is crusader they are okay so first of all they have some pretty good beer they have live entertainment almost every weekend Mm -hmm. and this is my favorite guys they have a moscow mule and it is amazing. It's not <laughs> Moscow Mule with gender beer. It's yeah. a Moscow Mule with beer. Yeah. And it's it's good, though. <laughs> I don't even know how they mix. I Okay, so I do remember this one time. Okay, side story. The you guys are going to get to know me a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> but one time, uh, me and George had gone on like a date night. And we sat at the bar. And we're talking to the bartender and he's telling us like oh yeah this is what we use for the base ask me if i remember no i don't remember i just know it tastes fucking good because it's really i had good more than it tastes one. like a, 
I need a to freaking get Moscow Mule. Moscow Mule. Yeah. But it's not with the typical no, alcohol. They it's with find beer. a way to make their own. Okay, and now they have a Michelada. Have you had the the <laughs> Okay, so I want to say it's like um something dorada. So they changed the name of the beer to make it into a Michelada type of style. What beer is it made with? <sighs> the Golden Cross. So Ooh. La Cruz Dorada, I think mm-hmm. they translated it to. So they switched the name out, but it that Michelada was pretty good too. Mm. So go try their miches or try their uh, Moscow Mule and get so obliterated, guys, that you that you do karaoke because they have karaoke on Thursdays now. So, yeah, small business shout out. We love shout them. out to Crusaders. Yeah. What do you guys think we should read next? <laughs> this is my drum roll. Should we go back to history? Sure. Historical fiction with a little poison because you know we love our evil. Mm-hmm. Not like poison. <laughs> poison. Poison. <laughs> poison. <laughs> the Lost Apothecary. Yay. Yay. I've been wanting to read that one. Me, Me too. too. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. See you next time. Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or your preferred streaming network to listen in. And you can also follow us on Instagram at reading underscore sirens. That's at R-E-A-D-I-N-G underscore S-I-R-E-N-S. And that's on Instagram. And we also have our group on Facebook, which is called Reading Sirens Podcast. Follow us so you can get all of our updates. And we will be looking forward to you tuning in soon. Thanks. Bye.